Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Great weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. I appreciate everybody who is uh, downloading this week's episode. If you're a newcomer to the program, always interested to hear where you're listening from, why you chose this week's episode to start with. And if you're a returning listener, you can get involved too. Let me know where you're listening from and maybe how long you've been listening. Maybe where, where did you first hear about The Pipeline Show? Wherever you're getting your copy of The Pipeline Show, uh, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is, the Podbean. If you have a way to leave a comment and or a rating, I would appreciate if you take the time to do that because it uh, helps to introduce the program to other new listeners. And maybe that's how you stumbled across the Pipeline Show. I don't know how that works. That's why I like to hear it from you guys and gals. You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That, of course, is Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's Best Beef Jerky, three locations in the Edmonton area. You can find out everything you want to know about them at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. They also have a .ca uh, website. I think one is for their location in Leduc and one's for their location in Spruce Grove, but it's all one big company. That third location is the newest one, the kiosk, on the main level at West Edmonton Mall right near the Ice Palace. Let's dive into this week's news and notes. As usual, we'll start with the CHL's top 10 rankings. It's week two. The rankings are out. The honorable mentions this week go to the Red Deer Rebels, who are still undefeated. The Everett Silvertips, who are almost undefeated. They're 5-1. Just took it to the Edmonton Oil Kings earlier this week. Notable in that game, goaltender Colby Hay for the Oil Kings set a new career high for himself for uh, stops. Set a new franchise record for saves as well. But when he set the record for his career high, which was 43 saves, uh, it was still the second period. There was lots of hockey still to go. The uh, Oil Kings were getting shelled that night. Uh, And as the game went on, it became a record 62 shots against for the Oil Kings. That's a franchise high. And Colby Hayes setting a new franchise record with 56 saves. So I don't know if you want to call that bright spots or silver lining because it means you... (laughs) You weren't playing very well, or at least Colby Hay was playing well, but the team wasn't doing very well. They were getting outplayed uh, in that contest to allow that many shots. Anyway, let's move on. The rest of the uh, 
honorable mention list. Well, Windsor is the final honorable mention. The top 10 goes like this. No change at the top. The Winnipeg Ice still holding down the number one spot. Despite their uh, imperfect uh, record, they are 6-1. and one. Next up, it's the Sherbrooke Phoenix and the Quebec Rampart. Sherbrooke moves up to the number two spot, pushing Quebec and Seattle down. Seattle, who is still a perfect 5-0, and oh, and they take on the Oil Kings this weekend. Tonight, as a matter of fact, as I'm now speaking with you, it is Friday. The Kamloops Blazers, who just got Logan Stankoven back this week. I believe he'll be in the lineup this weekend. Uh, he, they are ranked number five. Not sure if they get uh, Fraser Minton back from the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's uh, signed a contract with the Leafs this week. He was a second-round pick uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 2022 NHL draft this past July. So Kamloops is five. Number six, it's the Gatineau Olympique. The Portland Winterhawks come in at number seven. In fact, they move up to seven. Halifax moves up to eight. Mississauga moves up to nine. And the Ottawa 67s round out the top ten this week in the number ten position. Top scorers in the three CHL leagues. We'll get to those. The uh, WHL top scorer is uh, also the top scorer in the Canadian Hockey League. Right now, that is Connor Bedard. He has 17 points. Cohen Zimmer from the Prince George Cougars and uh, Gabriel Sturch from the Kelowna Rockets are tied for second. They both have 12 points. And Igor Sidorov of Saskatoon, Andrew Crystal of the Kelowna Rockets, and Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats come in next with 11 Flurry of trade activity in the WHL uh, as teams needed to get down to their 320-year-olds. So some shuffling around the league uh, because of that. Kelowna traded Jake Poole to Victoria. Uh, Carter Anderson went from Red Deer to Prince Albert, and then Red Deer picked up Dwayne Jean Jr. from the Tri-City Americans. And that all started because the Rebels got Ben King back from the Anaheim Ducks. That meant they had 420-year-olds. Well, the odd man out is Tanner Brown, who they just acquired in this past offseason, I'm sure it was sort of a contingency thing in case they didn't get Ben King or Christopher Setoff back, but they did. Uh, so Tanner Brown traded now to the Regina Pats. And give credit where it's due. I, you know, at the start of the year, in the preseason conversations, I was saying, you know, Regina's kind of on the bubble. I don't know that they're a playoff team. Well, they've made some deals, and uh, they are starting to assemble a team good enough, I think, to at least make the playoffs. Are they contenders yet? Uh, I would suggest not. But credit where credit is due, they are, have been making progress. Let's go to the Ontario Hockey League. And the leading scorer is defenseman Pavel Mintikov of the Saginaw Spirit. He has 12 points. Now, remember, the OHL started a week after the Q and the WHL, so the numbers are a little lower. Uh, David Goyette from Sudbury. Sarnia Sting forward Ty Voigt. Connor Lockhart from the Peterborough Peets and uh, Dean Locus, maybe it's Locus, uh, from Saginaw. They all have uh, 10 points, and we'll see if there's anybody else uh, with uh, 10 points. Nope, that's your top five uh, in the OHL. Kingston just trading Jake Murray to the Guelph Storm today in exchange for a couple of thirds and a fourth-round pick, those uh, in three consecutive years beginning in 2024, so down-the-road uh, picks. Kitchener also acquired Ham Hamilton's uh, goaltender, Marco Costantini, that cost Kitchener a second-rounder and a uh, conditional sixth-round pick. Niagara sends Matthew Pappas to Owen Sound this week as well. And the, the London Knights parted with uh, Jared Keane, as well as a 12th-round pick for Alec Leonard and a third and a second uh, from the Niagara Ice Dogs. At the same time, London picking up George Diaco from the Hamilton Bulldogs for a second and a third. So some... Uh, 
some teams there in London without a win, as I'm speaking with you right now. That might change here this weekend. But uh, at this point, London and Kitchener, no points. Don't know that anybody was uh, predicting that, you know, a couple of weeks into the season, that those two marquee franchises in the OHL would both be uh, over so far. Now, as I said, it's early, but London is 0 for 3 and Kitchener is 0 and 4 to begin the year. Uh, London tonight is taking on the Mississauga Steelheads, expected to be one of the better teams in the OHL this year. The Kitchener Rangers are at home to the Owen Sound Attack, who it's interesting because the Midwest Division really struggling. Nobody is uh, even at 500 uh, in that division. Well, Owen Sound Attack is in first place in the division, but they're 2 and 3. Meanwhile, out in the queue, Justin Gill, who is a uh, free agent invite to Vancouver Canucks, a training camp this uh, past fall. Uh, he leads the queue in scoring with 16 points. Teammate Ethan Goche, who is draft eligible this year, first overall pick in the 2021 uh, Bantam draft uh, out of the queue. I guess not uh, Bantam draft, but uh, the entry draft. Uh, he has 14 points. Jordan Dumay has 13. He plays for Halifax. Jonathan Fachon from the BBR Armada has 12, as does William Vellet from the Shawinigan Cataract. The new top 10 from the CJHL, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, is out as well. Came out at the start of the week. Uh, new number one team, though, the Battleford's North Stars out of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. They are now number one after being ranked number four. They're a perfect 10-0 to begin the season. Princeville is uh, up to number two. Humboldt goes from five to number three. Summerside jumps up a couple of spots as well. They're now the number four ranked team. A Collingwood, who had been number one the first two or three weeks of the year, they fall from number one to number five. Number six is Milton. Portage at seven. The Toronto Junior Canadians are eight. Steinbach out of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, they are number nine. Then you've got back-to-back AJHL teams in Spruce Grove and Brooks at 10 and 11. Followed by the Blind River Beavers at 12, Terrebonne at 13, Longale at 14, Rockland, the Ottawa Junior A Senators, Coburg, Cam River, the Valley Wildcats are number 19, and uh, Flin Flon, the legendary Flin Flon Bombers are number 20. Top scorer right now in the United States Hockey League is Nick Moldenauer. He's got nine points, and no surprise, the Chicago Steel dominating here in the top five. They got four of the top five scores. The others being Jack Harvey, Mick Thompson, and Jaden Perron, all with eight points. Miko Matika from the Madison Capitals, also with eight points. But uh, Chicago, whether it's it doesn't seem doesn't seem to matter year to year. They always seem to dominate in the scoring department, and they are in first place in the Eastern Conference as well with eight points. But the good news for everybody else is that nobody has played as many games as Chicago except for Cedar Rapids. Everybody else has played four or five games, even a couple uh, teams with only three games. So if you went by winning percentage, in the Eastern Conference, it's actually uh, the program, the U.S. National Development Team, which has mostly been the U-17 squad up to now, I believe. They actually have the best winning percentage in the Eastern Conference. In the West, you've got Lincoln, Sioux Falls, and Tri-City all atop with uh, identical 3-1 and one records. The Amarillo Wranglers are still perfect, but they are still only 6-0. and oh. they, I don't think they played last weekend. So they've got 12 points, but they've been uh, leapfrogged by both New Mexico and the Lone Star Brahmas in the South Division because those teams played and kept winning. Right now, Lone Star's on a six-game winning streak, but they've played nine games. Amarillo 
six-game winning streak, but have only played six. So there's the difference in the South Division. The hottest team in the Null right now is actually the Northeast Generals. They've won seven in a row, but they trail the Maryland Black Bears by four points in the East Division. Maryland right now with the top points in uh, the entire NAHL, but have played 12 games already. Big difference between uh, what all the teams in the South Division have played, where nobody, actually only two teams have even played 10 games. The Corpus Christi Ice Rays and the mighty Shreveport Mudbugs. And Maryland's Christian Catalano still leading the North American Hockey League in scoring. He's got 18 points. Cade Nilsson in uh, Chippewa and uh, Dimitri Cabreau also with Maryland. Uh, they lead the way with goals scored with uh, 10 points each, or 10 goals each rather. And finally, let's talk a little college hockey as uh, we look at the USCHO's top 20 poll. No change. Very little change in the entire top 10, actually. there's Denver is still number one. The one change happens at the number six position where Quinnipiac was six. They fall to number eight, which bumps Michigan and Northeastern up one spot each. But outside of that, the top 10 is the same teams, slightly different order than they were a week ago. So it goes Denver, Minnesota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota State, followed by Michigan, Northeastern, Quinnipiac, Boston University, and St. Cloud. Now your 10, your 11 through 20 has changed a bit as uh, teams start to figure themselves out here early on. Ohio State goes from 14 up to 11 because they are 4-0. Harvard, who hasn't played a game, they won't until the end of the month. Uh, they stay pat at number 12. Massachusetts, they've only played one game. They tied it. They stay at 13. Notre Dame Notre Dame slips to number 14, down from 11, because they're 0-1-1. Providence began the week 1-0, but they got a big victory on Thursday night. Uh, they are at number 15. UMass Lowell drops one spot from 15 to 16. Connecticut, who's my sleeper team this year, I think. They go from 20 up to 17. I think I'm, I'm going to bet that at some point this year they're in the top 10. Might not be any higher than 10, but I think we're going to see Connecticut at some point getting up into the uh, the top 10. That's my prediction. Western Michigan is at 18, followed by Cornell, and uh, entering the top 20 for the first time this year is Penn State, who are 2-0. and oh. Some interesting matchups uh, this weekend in the NCAA. Tonight you got Denver at Massachusetts to take on the Minutemen. That should be a good one. Uh, St. Cloud and Wisconsin has uh, some pretty good potential there as well. Uh, Michigan, the Wolverines, are hosting Boston University. So two two teams who have really good freshman classes this year uh, going head-to-head. The Connecticut Huskies are in action. They're at home against Ohio State. Colgate is in Arizona State, I believe. The Sun Devils are playing in their brand-new building tonight. So they will be pumped, looking for a, uh, a big victory against the Raiders. An all-Minnesota matchup as Duluth takes on Minnesota State. North Dakota is at home at the Ralph. They will welcome uh, the Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac Bobcats. Lindenwood, who is uh, 0-4, but they did score four goals against Minnesota, and they scored four goals against Michigan as well. They are at home for the first time this year against Air Force. Something tells me they're going to get at least a split this weekend against the Falcons. All right, that does it for the news and notes. I got four guests coming up today. They all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, the home of the Daycation Logger, personal favorite of mine. You can place your order if you're in Alberta. You can place your order online. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. You can pick it up at the Tap Room in Red Deer or in Edmonton at the Bountiful Farmer's Market or in Calgary at the Calgary Farmer's Market. 
course, if you're in Alberta, you can get it at any liquor store as well. If they don't have it, ask them to get it in because it is available to them anywhere in Alberta. This week's guests and the order that you're going to hear them will start with an NCAA campus report. Mick Hatton, who uh, writes for The Rink Live, covers the NCHC, well, covers hockey in Minnesota in general, but the NCHC conference is what we're talking about with uh, Mick. And from there, we'll have a 2023 draft spotlight with a player out of the Seattle Thunderbirds program who right now isn't getting a, a ton of buzz. Might be a little under the radar, in my opinion. His name is Grayson Sachin. He's off to a terrific start this season on a very impressive Seattle Thunderbirds team. Interesting backstory as a guy who's uh, born and raised in Alberta but has uh, played the last three or four years in Minnesota. Tells me he's, uh, he and the family are applying for their American citizenship right now. We'll get to know Grayson Sachin in today's episode. Then a, a conversation with the founder of the coach's site. His name is Aaron Wilbur. And they have quite the program set up, uh, which will go next week in conjunction with uh, College Hockey, Inc. Tell you all about that. It's actually, it sounds really cool. If you're a coach or you know a coach, uh, you're going to want to direct them to that one, him or her. And uh, lastly, today we'll go to the Ontario Hockey League and the voice of the Saginaw Spirit. His name is Joey Batano. He's going to be our show closer this week. Uh, But as I mentioned, we're going to start with Mick Hatton. Uh, Before we do, though, I wanted to remind you about ProStockHockey.com. It's your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment. Just checking out their Twitter feed as we speak, which is at ProStockHockey. New gloves from the Chicago Blackhawks are now available. And this week they added jackets, hoodies, hats, and a lot more from the Washington Capitals. They have a lot of team apparel, official team apparel, available at their website as well. That's ProStockHockey.com. Mick Hatton from The Rink Live. He's up next here on The Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. <laughs> Back off to the near side. It comes for Winters. Down low, takes the return. Winters, cross rank, shot, goal! Ingram again. Hey, this is Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms, and this is The Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to begin this week's episode with a NCAA campus report. Those, of course, brought to you by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player, you have one in your family, and there's things you need to know that you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility. We'll get in contact with uh, Mike Snee or anybody over at College Hockey, Inc. Follow them on Twitter and uh, check out their website, collegehockeyinc.com. All right, my guest this week uh, to talk a little NCHC. Last week we did Hockey East. This week we're going to do the NCHC, and uh, Mick Hatton from The Rink Live is my guest. Uh, Mick, welcome back to the program. How are you? 
Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Gee. Always a treat when you're uh, able to make time to come on the show. And this week we're going to talk NCHC that's in your backyard. And how would you describe the season thus far for the NCHC? As expected or maybe some teams uh, performing better than we expected early on? Uh, it, it's kind of been an interesting, uh, mixed bag, I would say. Uh, you know, on, on the one hand, I, I mean, you know, Denver, North Dakota off to, you know, very good starts. I think we all anticipated that was going to be the case. Uh, you know, St. Cloud State's off to a decent start. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the shockers of, of last weekend was Omaha. Uh, getting swept at home against Niagara. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niagara's picked to finish ninth in the in Atlantic Hockey, and uh, Omaha has been really good at at home. I think I saw something where they haven't been swept at home since 2019. So that was a bit of an eye opener to me. Uh, uh, they've got a lot of new faces in, in Omaha, and it might just take a while for that team to kind of get get going. Uh, Miami, uh, you know, a little bit of a, you know, surprise, I, I think over the weekend too. I mean, they, they went out to UMass Lowell and actually got a split out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, UMass Lowell, I know it's picked to finish fifth, I think, in hockey east. And, and so that was a big win for them. Uh, you know, Miami's really struggled the last, you know, several years and, uh, you know, are, are kind of have been fighting to get out of the basement. Uh, you know, Colorado College, I thought, had a, you know, a solid weekend. I think they're a team that uh, is on the rise. Uh, you know, Minnesota Duluth, is, as we all know, I mean, they're going to be there at the end of the season. I don't think there's – I think you can stop guessing as to whether or not they're going to be in the NCAA tournament and make some noise because they seem to be there every year. Right. The two teams that I was surprised with, well, Omaha, their loss uh, against uh, Niagara, definitely the, the back-to-back is a surprise for sure. But when I look at the NCHC Players of the Week, I don't think I expected to see two Tigers and uh, one Red Hawk. Uh, the goaltender from Miami. I don't know if we're going to see three players from those two teams uh, on the Players of the Week all that often. So good start for those two teams. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Ludwig uh, Person, uh, the goalie in, in Miami, I I think, he, you know, he had kind of a tough season last season. Uh, I think he's somebody that kind of tries to take on an awful lot. And I know that in talking with the, uh, the coaching staff here before the season that, uh, you know, they've tried to tell him that he just needs to do his part and other people need to help him out a little bit more. So he's off to a strong, you know, a good start. And that, that's a good sign for Miami. I mean, if you can start off with, uh, you know, a, a strong veteran goaltender, I mean, that's not a luxury that most of the teams in the NCHC have this season. Miami's really struggled since they joined the NCHC. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember a time where they were actually one of the top teams in the conference, and it's not coming to me. I'm thinking of back in the days of Enrico Blasi, but I don't remember them being at the top end of the NCHC. Am I incorrect in that? Yeah, real early on, they they, they were. They were actually, um, if you well, this is kind of interesting. They're, they're the first year of the conference, uh, they were picked to win the conference. <laughs> They were picked to win the conference. They ended up finishing last, and then they ended up beating St. Cl- upsetting St. Cloud State in the first round of the the NCHC playoffs. And uh, and I think if I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I think they made the NCAA tournament that year. They, those first couple of seasons, uh, they were right in there. They they had guys like Austin Zarnick and Riley Barber, and right. uh, they, they had some talented teams. 
but it has been a real struggle for them. I'd say the last half dozen seasons uh, where they just they can't get out of the bottom half of the, of the conference. Okay. Uh, now, Colorado College, you said you think is a team on the rise. Why do you think they're turning it around this year? Well, I, I, I think the coaching change has, has been a good one. I, you know, I think Chris Mayotte, you know, you know, with with the programs that that you know he's coming from, you know, with uh, the success that you know he's been a part of uh, staffs before that. Uh, you know, have have had an awful lot of success. I, I think he's going about it the right way. You know, uh, if you look on their roster this season, there's a, there's a lot of freshmen. You don't see a ton of transfers. I think there's an easy trap, you know, with the transfer portal that, okay, well, we're just going to go out there and kind of load up on, on some upperclassmen and, and we're going to try and turn things around here right away. And uh, that's not the approach he's taking. I think he's taking kind of the – the long view uh, approach to it, uh, I think he, I think he has a really good idea of, of what he's looking for. The style of player they've gotten bigger. Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more of a physical team uh, now that they're not playing on the Olympic size sheet. I think that's a wise move for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one, one of the questions for for, for them, you know, is uh, you know, it's, it's been in gold. Uh, you know, and we'll we'll see how that kind of turns out for them, but. They had a really good weekend, uh, you know, uh, on the power play last weekend against Alaska Anchorage. So th- those are all good signs for them. They, they have a lot returning from last season. Um, and there are a lot of teams that have, have, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of offense to replace in the conference. So I, I think they're a team that, you know, they, they could challenge to, you know, to possibly, uh, you know, be a top four team this season if if everything kind of breaks their way. You mentioned goaltending for Colorado College, and interesting because they they still have Matt Vernon, who's a senior, and they bring in Caden Embarico from the program, uh, but they lose Dominic Bassey to St. Cloud State. Now, how big of an addition is that for St. Cloud? Uh, well, you know, I, I think one of the things there is is that you know they they wanted you know some competition, you know, to to you know to figure out who was going to replace David Rennick. Rennick has yeah. basically been you know, the starter for all, almost all five seasons that he was here. And so it, it was, and they lost Joey Lamoureux. He was a, kind of their uh, number three goalie the last couple of seasons. He ended up transferring to Alaska Anchorage. And so, yeah, Jackson Castor coming back, uh, they ended up kind of getting a, a goaltender, uh, James Gray, a little bit later in the recruiting process, who's a freshman, uh, you know, they, they think that they, they can, you know, be a top, you know, top four team and, and maybe even higher, you know, if they get some goaltending. So I think bringing in Bassey, you know, kind of raises the bar in terms of, okay, well, this is not just going to be Jackson Caster's goal and they're going to have some competition there for, for that spot. And they're going to, they're going to take that for quite a while here to try and figure out if they have a number one or if they're just going to go every other game with those two guys. Oh, that's interesting. I thought Bassey would come in there and just be the starter, but I guess maybe I'm undervaluing uh, Jackson Caster. Bassey with a shutout in game one, and Caster had a good game too. Pretty low shot count, though, in, in that opening weekend for, for St. Cloud. Uh, shot Shots against, I'm referring to. Yeah, I mean, it, this is going to be a much bigger test for St. Cloud State this weekend. They get Wisconsin uh, you know, in Madison. Uh, you know, I, I, Wisconsin's going to bring a, a lot higher skill level than, than what they saw out of St. Thomas. Nothing against St. Thomas, but, you know, they're, they're kind of building from the, 
you know, from the bottom with only being a second year uh, Division One program. Wisconsin's obviously a little bit different story, and uh, they've they've got some you know bigger names, and you know they're going to be much better uh, on special teams, and so this is going to be a, a bigger test for St. Cloud. It's a couple of Canadians uh, with St. Cloud. I wanted to ask you about one being Zach Okabe, who's been there for well, he's a senior now. Uh, and he's from Alberta, our neck of the woods up here. What are you expecting from him here in uh, in his senior year? Well, they're expecting a, a lot out of him. He's uh, this is going to be the you know third year that he's uh, going to be on a line with uh, VD Mietnan and and Yami Kranla. Uh, they're really their their clear cut number one line. And you know, they with the amount of offense that St. Cloud State lost, uh, you know, d- during the off season. Uh, they're looking for that top line to, to take that next step. You know, all those guys, I think, were around the 30-point mark last season. And, they, you know, they're looking for another 10, you know, out of each one of those guys to, you know, to help offset some of the, the losses of, of uh, what, what they lost to graduation and guys signing. Um, so they're expecting a lot out of that. You know, and I I love Zach as a player. Uh, you know, they're, the motor on the kid is, is nonstop. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that is great in tight areas with the puck. He's creative with it. Um, and he's, a, for not being a real big guy, uh, he's tough. I mean, he, he takes some hits. He's strong on his skates. Uh, and he's got kind of a sneaky shot to him. I, he's got a, you know, he's got a chance to have a, a really nice senior season for him. Excellent. The other uh, Canadian to ask about is uh, incoming freshman Adam Ingram, who had a heck of a year in the USHL last season, scored a ton of goals in Youngstown. Uh, what's uh, What do you expect for his, uh, where he fits into the lineup here in year one? Is he one of those freshmen that has to start out at the bottom of the roster and work his way up, or do you think he gets top six minutes already this year? No, well, I think he, you know, the second line is going to be, you know, a little bit older kids. You know, it's going to be Grant Crookshank. Uh, at center and then you know they're going to have Kyler Kupka on, on on the one wing and Micah Miller on the on the other the, those guys are you know uh, Miller and Crookshank are both fifth year guys and, and Kupka is a, a fourth year guy uh, I think they they like that line for a lot of reasons one of which is that they're going to play both ends of the rink and and they can play in a lot of different situations you know with Ingram Ingram's uh, you know kind of start off he's going to play center i i'd say probably on the third line uh he's seeing time on on the power play uh, um you know from what i've you know i've, I've seen him just a couple of times here uh but you know can, the 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 scouting report on him is he can really wire the puck and and that he's creative with it uh you know the question mark a little bit with him is that uh you know is he strong enough um you know he's He's tall and lanky, um, and you know I, I think this is one of those situations where you know you get you get end up being drafted rather high, and so that kind of forces the hand of the the college team to kind of bring him in. Mm-hmm. Whereas, let's say if he was a fifth or sixth round draft pick, he might be back in the USHL and working on his strength and 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 skating a little bit more. But uh, they're very high on him, obviously, and and he's gonna. You can see a lot of time on the, on the power play and, uh, you know, a, a guy that, that they see an extremely high ceiling for if he, if he can, you know, add some weight and, and uh, add some strength to his game. He's Mick Hatton from TheRinkLive.com, a terrific writer as well. If you haven't read his stuff, make sure you're following him 
on Twitter at Mick Hatton. Uh, let's go to uh, North Dakota, who uh, opened the season with a, uh, a couple of wins, uh, lopsided wins against Holy Cross, and I think on paper that was to be expected. But some of their big guns didn't uh, rack up the points in this one. I, I see Reese Gaber only came away with a, a single point over the weekend. But overall, what are you expecting from North Dakota this year? Well, you know, more of the same. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, you, you, if you stop expecting North Dakota to, uh, you know, to – battle for the NCHC crown. I think you're, you're kind of, I'm not exactly sure what, what you've been watching or paying attention to, you know, that many draft picks, um, just a lot of talent, uh, a lot of high end talent, you know, and they've, they brought in, you know, they brought in a goal, you know, a goalie and drew, drew DeRitter who had played on some really bad Michigan state teams, but put up some good numbers at Michigan state. So you're, you're adding a, a veteran goalie, um, who's who's got a heck of a lot more talent in front of him, and you know he gave up one goal over the weekend. I mean, I I, I think that's a huge pickup for them. Hmm. Um, you know, they're what are they? You know, they've won or tied for the last three regular season NCHC titles, so they're going to be right there. Um, I, I I don't anticipate them having a huge drop off unless uh, uh, even if they suffer a few injuries, I. I, I think this is a deeper team than even they were last year. Well, and that depth might be bad news for freshmen again, like Ingram with St. Cloud, but they bring in Owen McLaughlin and Dylan James, who was a second-round pick in the NHL draft, and those two guys were teammates with the USHL champion uh, Sioux City Musketeers last year. Uh, where do they fit into the lineup? Are we talking fourth-line guys here again? Uh, I, I, I mean, I think those guys are going to play more minutes than, than being fourth-line guys. I, I, I don't see guys like that you know, being down there, same with Jackson Blake, you know, I, I know they've, they're really excited about Jackson Blake and, and all the kind of skill set that he kind of brings to, to the team. So I, 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 I anticipate those guys are going to be higher up than the fourth line. Um, they, they've got other guys in that lineup that are more fourth line players. Those guys aren't fourth line guys to me. Mick, let's uh, pick it up with uh, Denver, the defending champs. And, uh, I mean, I think at the preseason, they're the number one ranked team uh, by a lot of people. Uh, what about for you? Are they, do you think they're defending champs that can uh, win it all again? In, in a word, yes. Uh, you know, I watched them over the weekend. And, you know, Notre Dame's a team that love, loves to play two-to-one games and, uh, you know, are, are a very tight uh, defensive team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Denver's got a number of new faces out there, but, uh, you know, they handled them in the first, you know, it ended up being 5-2. And, uh, you know, there's just so much talent on, on Denver's roster that uh, I I think they are the team to beat, you know, until further notice. I, you know, and they, they kind of moved some guys out of the lineup on uh, their second game against Maine, and they still won 3-1. to one, And that was, you know, with the – with with a you know with a sophomore in, in, in net that day, uh, Matt Davis so uh, I think they're uh, they're very deep very talented um, the, their top end guys that they have returning are some of the top players in the country you know you you look at you know Michael or Mike Benning you know uh, you know to start with Carter Carter Mazur I mean. Those guys are, are really super players. Justin Lee is a guy that I think, you know, it might be even a little bit underrated. Uh, a big player, play both ends. Sean Barron, they're so strong, def- you know, 
that's something that kind of gets overlooked with Denver is how good they are defensively. Um, and I, I, I think they're, I think they're poised to, to be right there at the end. They did well with the transfer last year. They got Massimo Rizzo. I think he was originally with North Dakota, wasn't he? And, and this year they bring in Tristan Bros, who was with the, uh, the Golden Gophers out of the Big Ten. Uh, so it, it seems like they're able to, uh, pluck players from other programs too. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think, I think with the top end teams, you know, that the, they use are, are using the, you know, the transfer portal in the right way. You have a very specific need. You go out and find a player that, you know, has got those specific traits and you kind of plug them into that spot, you know, and, and you know, for say club state, like Dylan Anhorn, who's from Calgary, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that, They've, they've gone out and added, played at, at Union for three seasons. Uh, and he's leading St. Cloud State in scoring after the first weekend. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to the transfer portal, I think you go in for very specific needs to fill a very specific hole. Uh, you don't just kind of go in there and just kind of start carpet bombing and, and seeing what kind of turns up. And, uh, yeah, Denver's been very smart with, with how they use the transfer portal. Uh, last team I want to focus on would be the uh, Bulldogs from Minnesota Duluth. And uh, I'm going to start with Coach uh, Scott Sandlin because it seemed like uh, we were hearing about some NHL interest uh, for Sandlin, that there might have been some opportunities that at least he was in discussion for. Do you think it's only a matter of when and not if uh, he eventually finds a, a spot in the NHL? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I have this conversation with people on, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, like, for instance – so I and I have a ton of respect for for Scott. Scott has always treated me extremely well. Um, but you know, Scott, uh, you know, was not a huge media guy. So I had to laugh a couple of years ago when they thought, you know, when they blew him out to to be the you know, for the Rangers opening. Because I'm like, boy, that's not a place that I don't think that would fit Scott real well. I, I I'm not sure exactly, you know, what what the it's not that I don't think he could coach at the NHL level, but but the the thing is is that he's gotten such a a, a good formula for success at where he's at. I'm not exactly sure, other than the you know other than the money, um, and maybe you know the challenge of of taking that on. I'm not sure why he would necessarily leave where he's at. Right. Uh, the NHL, you 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 get forced. In, into okay uh, you know with contracts and what the general manager wants and everything else that that comes into play in, in college it's much more you're much more in control of who the character what the character is uh what, what what types of players you're going after and and uh you know what what, what types of uh you know things do they bring to the locker room so i he, he's a guy that has a certain type of player that that he likes, and he likes to play a certain style. Um, I, I'm not sure if that translates to the NHL uh, for him. That doesn't mean that he won't do it and that he wouldn't go up there and be successful. I'm just telling you who, my, just my two cents when, when when I look at Scott. And he's from northern Minnesota. You know, he, he's got a, a great lake home. Uh, as well as his, his house in, in Hermantown, I, I can't. I, I, it would have to be a heck of a, a situation, I think, for him to leave for the NHL. But um, you know, I never thought Dave Hackstall would leave for the NHL, but there, yeah. but there he went. Yeah, uh, that's, I was going to mention that because I know they're pretty close; they're pretty good friends. So uh, you know, see one guy go. 
maybe that opens the door a little bit or at least piques his interest. Uh, when it comes to the Bulldogs on the ice this year, what do you what do you like about them? What are you expecting for uh, Minnesota Duluth? Uh, you know, I mean, I I guess, you know, I always expect them to be strong defensively and, and to have good goaltending. Uh, Zach Stegstall uh, is the guy that, uh, you know, battled cancer last season and, and he's back this season. It's, uh, I think that's a great sign. You know, two years ago, uh, he and Ryan Fancy were kind of uh, splitting time. Uh, I think Zach's a guy that's got the talent to, you know, to be a number one if, if he's healthy enough. Um, you know, they've the big question with them is, are, you know, are they going to find enough goal scoring? Um, it's not that I don't think that they're going to play defense and shut people down, but, you know, can they find three goals a, a night to, to win games? Uh, I think that's kind of their big question mark is they're coming into the season. They, you know, Derek Daschke, uh, you know, just in talking with Matt Wellens, who covers UMB, you know, the addition of Derek Daschke, who was at Miami, uh, and has come in as a transfer, I think is a big one. Uh, he's a power play guy and mm-hmm. he's a, a great, great big defenseman who can play both ends of the ice. So I, I think that's going to be a good addition, but, you know, they're going to need some, you know, they're going to need some guys, uh, you know, kind of step up into in bigger, you know, Dominic James has got to have a, you know, I think a good season for them. Blake Biondi's got to take another step up for them. Uh, you know, they, they need to find some more offense. Uh, you know, before I'm sold that they're going to, you know, finish in the top three. With all that said, I mean, you know, they had 10 freshmen, uh, you know, in 2000, I think it was 2018, and they ended up winning the national title that season. So I, I wouldn't bet against them, let's put it that way. Well, a couple of interesting freshmen coming in. Uh, Isaac Howard, who's a first-round pick at Tampa Bay. Cole Spicer, a fourth-rounder with the Boston Bruins. But – I know they got a transfer in Matt Thiessen also from Maine uh, to be uh, uh, the number two guy, I would guess, in, in net. Uh, but he's a senior now, so might uh, maybe we see another split duty time there with uh, Zach Stasco. But uh, Wyatt Kaiser on the back end, too. He's, he seems like a guy who's ready to be uh, maybe a bit of a breakout player here in year three at college at the college level. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy, you know, he played for, you know, Team USA again at the World Junior Championships, you know, a draft pick of the, of the Blackhawks. Uh, really good skater, um, you know, good, really good with the puck, very smart player. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the thing with him is, uh, you know, he needs to be able to get some more pucks on the, on the net, you know, and, and if he's able to kind of generate that, he's going to generate more offense. And, it, you know, does he kind of step up into, you know, a larger role in terms of, you know, just controlling the tempo of play, you know, because, I, I, well, whenever I think of UMD defenseman, now I think of Scott Perunovich. And when, mm-hmm. when Scott was on, Scott controlled tempo. Um, and uh, Wyatt has not quite gotten there yet. That's not to say he won't. But, uh, you know, if, if, if he's going to take another step up, that's the type of thing he's going to need to do. Is he's going to need to control tempo a little bit more. Well, Duluth always seems to produce defensemen. You mentioned uh, Perunovic. They got Dylan Sandberg now making it with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. And, jeez, uh, who else? Well, Mikey Anderson's in L.A. And Carson Soucy with Seattle. Yeah, they've, they've had a lot of success uh, with defensemen yep. there. <laughs> um, lastly, uh, if you're a betting man, I'm not sure if you are, but is Denver? you said Denver's the team to beat. Do you think they're the end of the season as the, the number one team in the NCHC? Uh, I, 
I I haven't seen anything that's going to make me think differently at this point. I, I just think they're they're I I think they're the deepest team. I think they're the the team that can beat you the most uh, most different ways. Hmm. Um, and I just think that you know I think David Carl you know has, has done a great job there. Um, I, 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 the culture there, you know, is, you know, they expect to be there and, uh, you know, except for, you know, two years ago or whatever, when they, you know, had that bump during the COVID year where they had guys kind of in and out of the lineup, uh, their track record is awfully good with getting to the frozen four and, and being a, a extremely tough out. That's going to be them again this season. Excellent. Uh, Mick, what do you got coming up at the, the rank live.com? Uh, you know, we got, you know, got a lot of things, you know, we, we, we kind of are, are doing like a, a weekend in, in review for kind of our area that, uh, we get, uh, Brad Schlossman and, and Matt Wellens, Jess Myers and myself on, on there. And we kind of talk about the past weekend that comes out on Mondays. So that that's currently out there. Um, you know, and then I'm, I'm working on some, some feature stories on, on, uh, you know, Augustana's, you know, starting up a, a Division One program next. You know, next they're going to be playing next fall. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a new recruits, and so I've uh, talked talked to a couple of guys uh, uh, here in the last uh, two days: uh, Brett Merriman and, and Will Howard. And um, so those are a couple of features that are coming out. Uh, you know, the, the Huskies uh, are, are going to play uh, Wisconsin this weekend, like I mentioned. I'm, I'm going to do a feature story on Yami Cranola. Uh, this week so there's there's lots of stuff in there for you, for people to dig around and find mick as always it's been fun uh thanks for doing this we'll chat again hey any, anytime you want Dee, i appreciate you asking here's mick hatton from the rink com. he and the crew there do uh, a bang-up job last week we had uh, kirsten krull also from the rink live that was to talk ushl if you missed that you can find the archives at the pipeline show.com to me, the NCHC has become the uh, the best conference in the NCAA, but you know the Big Ten would have something to say about that, and uh, Hockey East is always strong as well. But it seems like night in, night out, you've got a tough contest uh, on your hands if you're one of the clubs in the NCHC. Let me know who you think is going to come away as the conference champs this year. Is it Denver again? Let me know. On Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. Still to come, a 2023 draft spotlight segment as well as a chat with a play-by-play guy out of the Ontario Hockey League, and we're going to speak with Aaron Wilbur from the Coaches' Site. All that coming up still on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Who's going to join me next via the Troubled Monk Hotline? We'll tune in to find out. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Deals inside of the net, and he scores! There it is. History made in debut tonight, and it comes just a minute and a half into the first period. And Stephen Halliday is the Tier 1 scoring leader. Hey, this is Stephen Halliday. I play on the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. 
View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. And we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky with three locations in the Edmonton area, but you can get it shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada. Unfortunately, my next guest can't get it where he is right now, but maybe if he's uh, back in Alberta, then he can pick up some Wilhock beef jerky. We're turning on the 2023 draft spotlight. For this one, we're going to Seattle, and we're talking with Grayson Souchin. Uh, Grayson, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing terrific, uh, but uh, you're a busy guy. Before our conversation, you were doing interviews, and you got another one with me, and I don't know if you got more lined up after this, but uh, what's that like? Uh, this is a, a pretty big season for you being your NHL draft year and the, the media attention is ramping up. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely new, but, you know, it's part of it. And it's always fun getting to do these things. So, yeah, I like it. Are you comfortable with it or does it take a little getting used to? I'm getting there, getting a little more comfortable every time. Well, the team certainly seems to be playing well. You're uh, off to a 5-0 and start as we're speaking right now. When this airs, for most people, it'll be uh, on Friday night when you're playing against the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, but uh, right now, five and zero, oh, uh, you got to be pretty happy with things. Yeah, yeah, we're happy. We're trying to fix uh, fix some things up. You know, we got some we got some new guys. We got some old guys. Old guys are definitely doing their part, and they're taking us in and teaching us the ways. But you know, we're getting better every game, learning new things. So it's been good so far, and hopefully, we keep it going. Well, five games for yourself, eight points uh, already, four goals, four assists. Uh, I don't imagine you could have expected much more than that. Uh, just five games in like this. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely helped with the boys taking me in. Uh, definitely made me comfortable and playing confident, so that's good. And uh, you know, put the work in in the off season, so it's paying off. So hopefully, keep it going. Now you're a rookie to the WHL, but uh, you're not a stranger to the league. I mean, I mean, growing up and spending a lot of time in Canada, that uh, you'd be familiar with it. But uh, making the transition to the league as a 17 year old, as opposed to like a 16 year old. I think that makes it a little bit easier for you. I mean, you played some pretty high-level hockey last year with the program. Yeah, I definitely think that helps, you know, uh, just getting that one-year difference. But uh, coming from the program, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a difference, but not too much, so kind of used to it. Grayson Souchin is my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show as we look uh, ahead to the upcoming uh, 2023 NHL draft. I say upcoming like it's uh, happening in the next few weeks. We've got a long way to go uh, before the draft, but uh, this part of the show, Grayson, what we do is introduce my audience to uh, somebody that's in your shoes being draft eligible. Now, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will already know who you are, uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans you know, that don't pay attention to junior or college hockey at all, but they'll listen to an episode or a segment like this just because you're a a high-profile name for the draft. Uh, so for the benefit of those people, maybe let's get some background on you. Uh, and I'm curious to, to know the answer to this. Uh, what do you consider your hometown? Because I've seen it listed as Edmonton. I've seen it listed as Grand Prairie. So maybe you start at the beginning. Where are you from? Yeah, I grew up in Grand Prairie. So I lived there for six years, I think, and then right. moved down to Edmonton. And then when I was about 12, I moved down to Minnesota. So that's we still live in Minnesota now. So. 
Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, let's start with Grand Prairie for a minute, and I imagine you started playing hockey while you were up there. Who got you into hockey at a young age? Uh, kind of my whole family. You know, my mom played hockey. She was a defenseman, and my dad, too. So kind of a hockey family, but I'd say my parents. And I'm guessing the moving, probably work-related for your parents? Yeah. You go from Grand Prairie, and for those who don't know, Grand Prairie is in north, uh, northwestern Alberta. Uh, maybe when you were there, about 50,000, 60,000 people, something like that. But you go to Edmonton, obviously a major city. Uh, what was the difference from a hockey perspective to go from playing minor hockey up in GP to uh, to Edmonton? Yeah, a lot more kids. Um, kind of give a variety of talent, you know. Um, bigger hockey towns too, so and a lot of different teams. So just <laughs> it's a long time ago. One of those other teams you got to play for was Team Brick at the uh, the Brick Invitational. That's a, a big. I mean, it's a pretty well known tournament. A lot of guys who are, are in the NHL now who played in the brick invitational uh, what was that experience like for you that was cool kind of a little bit of a hometown hometown experience uh whole family was there um yeah no travel so that was nice but playing in edmonton mall in front of a bunch of people at a young age is it was a cool experience just pulling up the uh the, the roster for that year who were some of your teammates do you remember are they guys that are uh, around in the whl now well there's a couple of yeah. names i recognize carter yakimchuk i think he's in calgary yeah Right, um, him, Nicholas Johnson. Yeah, where's he now? Uh, he's in Portland. He's in Portland. Cooper McCulloch, the goaltender, I think is is also in the WHL. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a few guys. Interesting. Uh, but that experience, yeah. I mean, for those who have never been, you're playing inside of a shopping mall. It's a famous uh, shopping mall, but I mean, it's packed, right? I mean, there are tons of fans there watching, and it's it's really good hockey. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially at a young age, it was, it was awesome. All right, and then eventually you move down to uh, to, to Minnesota. Uh, I'm guessing also family work related. Uh, is there? Are you a dual citizen? No, I'm not. You're not. So you are still Canadian. Like no. that's the only passport you have. Yeah, we're in the process of getting it though. Uh, I see. Okay. Uh, you know, you play a couple years at Shattuck. What led you there? Uh, I guess uh, part of it being in Minnesota, and we we uh, went down to see it. Thought it was a great place to start. So. I uh, went there for the next couple of years, and it turned out great. Now my brother's down there, so he's liking it. I'm guessing at that point you're starting to think hockey could be you know, more than just a, a fun thing to do as a kid. You might be able to turn it into a career. And, and Shattuck, you, you look at the players, the list of players who have gone through there before, and you see names like McKinnon and Crosby. And I mean, is that part of what sells you on, all right, that's the right school for me? Yeah, that definitely helps. And just uh, developing there at a young age, you know, maturing too, living in dorms, something that uh, not a lot of young kids do. Uh, that's definitely part of it. It definitely helps moving on. 83 points your first year there in 54 games and 60 and 47 games the next year. And then you get to go to play for the program. And you're not an American at that point and still not officially yet an American citizen. So how does that, how does that work out for you? Uh, so I have a green card, so that just allowed me to uh, play for them. But I couldn't play in any IIHF tournaments right. just because I'm not an American citizen. So that was the only problem. All right. So that one was going to be one of my next questions because I noticed, and I wondered if that was because of COVID that some of those international hockey federation tournaments didn't happen for you or not because I noticed you hadn't played. But So it was more of uh, you weren't allowed to as opposed to they didn't happen. Uh, is that part right. of the reason you're trying to get your, your citizenship now and I got to ask, why do you want to be an American in, instead of playing for Canada? Uh, I don't know. I guess we're living down here now, so I, it makes a lot of things easier. And then my uh, my little sister, she was born down here, so she's an American citizen. So I guess 
as a family, we're just all getting it. Let me ask you this way, Grayson. If Hockey Canada called you and USA Hockey both called you uh, for, let's say, the U18s next spring. Now, Seattle's probably going to be playing, so you're not going to be eligible or available anyway. But just hypothetically, Canada and the U.S. both want you to play for them. Who do you want to represent? Team Canada. Grayson Souchin is my guest. Uh, he's a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds right now, draft-eligible player this year. Um, maybe the uh, – I know back – when uh, the Red Deer Rebels drafted you first overall in the uh, the first edition, I believe, of the WHL's U.S. prospect draft, what was your reaction to that? And did you know at that point that you intended to go to the WHL, or were you still on the fence between playing uh, Major Junior or going the NCAA route? Uh, it was always 50-50. I never really knew what I wanted to do. I grew up watching the tub, uh, and then college came a new thing when I moved to the state, so I never knew which way I wanted to go, but after last year, I knew what I wanted to do, and I'm glad I came here. So, Well, and like Patrick Kane or Seth Jones or Caleb Jones, you play at the program, and then you decide to go the major junior route instead of college. It's uh, you're, you're not the first guy to do that, and nothing wrong with either option. Uh, what's it been like in Seattle for you, and was that an easy decision for you to make once they picked up your rights? Yeah, I, uh, actually, during the playoffs, I came and watched the game. And yeah. R- right then, I just I knew I wanted to come here, and it's it's been awesome i love it i love it here i love our team i love the community they everything so it's been great they drafted your brother lucas and they, i mean they announced they, they like showcased both of you at the in the playoffs uh last year i mean that was that must have been pretty awesome yeah that was cool it was cool to have my brother there too and he's playing he's at shattuck right now yep yeah he is on the 16th team yeah now i'm guessing the the age gap between you is enough that you didn't actually get to play together much growing up is that would that be correct yeah, we haven't played together yet. All right, so potentially, yeah, you might be able to do yeah. that with the T-Birds. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Now, when it comes to the draft, is it something you spend much time thinking about, or you do you try to push that to the back of your mind? I know most of the players that I talk to are in one of those two camps where some guys will say, "I want to know where I'm ranked," you know, by TSN or Sportsnet or whoever it is, and they, they use that as motivation. Other guys say, "I don't want to be distracted by that sort of stuff." What about for you, Grayson? Yeah, I try not to be distracted about it. Obviously, it's on my mind just because it's such a big thing and it's important to me, but try not to get distracted about everything that's going on and just focus on me and getting better every day. And, you know, uh, I'll get what I deserve. And if I put in the work, then it'll all work out. Now, the sheet that I'm looking at says 5'11 and 155 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is. Where, what are you at right now? Uh, I'm about 160 pounds now. Not big of a difference, but. Yeah, 5'11", 160. Is that a comfortable playing weight for you, or just as you naturally get you know, two, three years older, you're going to get a bigger and stronger, um, so it's not something you're concerned about? Yeah, just trying to gain weight. That's always been something for me, It's, but it'll come as I get older. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, and uh, there'll be, you know, I'm here in Edmonton, so there'll be a lot of Edmonton people watching the game on Friday, if they can, uh, against the Oil Kings. How do you describe yourself as a player? I mean, we can look and see the stats that you had at Shattuck, and last year at the program you had 33 points in 52 games, but stats don't always tell the whole story. So uh, how do you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I'd say I'm a two-way forward who can uh, score, pass. Uh, I rely on my skills a lot, but I you know, I can be reliable in all different situations. Uh, power play, penalty kill, uh, two minutes left in the game, You know, up goal, down a goal, stuff like that. One of the sheets I'm looking at says lists you as a center. The other one just says a forward. 
Um, are you comfortable playing anywhere up front? Uh, where do uh, the T-Birds have you lining up so far? Yeah, I can uh, I can play pretty much any position uh, up front, but I've been mostly playing uh, center since being here. Taking faceoffs is it is it's an art form, but it's it's not an easy thing to do. Not everybody is successful at the dot. Is that something you work on a lot? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's an important part of my game too, as it's a chance for possession every play. So, what other sort of things are you trying to hone in your game here before uh, the, the you know over the course of the season and before you get to the next level? Uh, I guess like it, I guess everything trying to get better in every uh, aspect, but uh, my skating trying to get faster every day and having confidence, I guess, working on everything. <laughs> By birth, an Alberta guy, but uh, now choosing to be uh, south of the border and, and uh, uh, turning American. Do you have an allegiance to an NHL team? I mean, you kind of grew up in Alberta. Did, were you an Oiler fan being in northern Alberta or uh, going down to Minnesota? Does have the wild worn off on you, or is it more about cheering for individual players around the league? Oh, I'm an Oilers fan. I've always been. Anyone in particular uh, with the uh, organization? that uh, you can look at and say, hey, he's about my size, we might have similar style of play, anything like that? Uh, maybe Nugent Hopkins. I haven't I haven't thought much about that, but other players around the league, maybe like uh, Pasternak or maybe a little bit of Bergeron, something like that. Well, that's a pretty, pretty uh, two-way guy there with uh, Patrice Bergeron, for sure. Well, listen, yeah. uh, Grayson, I, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, best of luck to you and the T-Birds the rest of this year, and uh, hopefully we get the, a chance to chat again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Grayson Souchin from the Seattle Thunderbirds, and it is pronounced Souchin and not Sachin. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of Sachin uh, throughout the course of this season as uh, people get to know this player, uh, but I uh, double-checked, triple-checked it with him, and, you know, some of the going out to commercial breaks on here on the show, you'll hear, hey, this is blah, blah, blah from, well, I got him to do one of those for me as well. And that's where I picked it up. He says, uh, hey, it's Grayson Souchin from the Seattle Thunderbirds. And I know because I double checked with him. I said, did I hear you pronounce that right? That it's Souchin and not Sachin. And he said, yes. So there it is. It is Grayson Souchin. And off to a fantastic start. Interesting that he goes from the program to uh, Seattle at 17, doesn't play the extra year uh, with the program. It uh, reminds me, Henrik Samuelsson was that guy as well. Played the U-17 year, then went to Europe, played for his dad overseas, and then halfway through that year decided, you know what, uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings are, are my spot. So he came and played for the Oil Kings uh, for Souchin. He goes at the start of the season. Uh, with the Seattle Thunderbirds, and uh, it's obviously been a very good fit for him because that team is flying out of the gate. They are perfect 5-0 and as they uh, get set to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings on Friday. Now, the other thing that jumped out at me there is he hasn't played in a double IHF event yet, so even though he's been playing for the United States here the last, uh, well, last season with the program and has been in the States for the last three or four years, when I asked him, if Canada and the U.S. both call, who's calling you answering? No hesitation. Canada. Here's a guy still feels uh, maybe a little bit more Canadian, at least from a hockey perspective. Grayson Souchin, looking forward to uh, watching him and, and seeing what happens for him and the T-Birds this season. All right, next up here on the Pipeline Show, we're going to have a conversation with uh, a fellow named Aaron Wilbur. He's the founder of the Coaches site, and they've got a big project coming up. And it sounds really cool. Let's dive into that 
next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this is David Carl, head coach of the University of Denver Pioneers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie score. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's badass. It is badass. Really it's a cool. Badass. Yeah. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. A reminder: the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. I'll spell it: W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Uh, this is an extra bonus segment here, brought to you by College Hockey Inc. Uh, though, because uh, they're doing something pretty uh, fantastic in the next couple of weeks. Uh, with uh, my next guest, uh, with the coach's site, and um, to represent the coach's site, one of the founders, that's Aaron Wilbur. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing great, Gee. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm going to ask you to give us some background on the coach's site, because my audience might not be as familiar with you as uh, as a lot of people are. My audience is used to talking about junior hockey and college hockey players, but not necessarily from the coaching perspective. And Coaches are going uh, from those leagues off to the NHL as well. And I think what you do uh, deals with not just college or junior hockey and, and minor pro and, and NHL guys as well, but it's coaches at all levels, correct? Tell me about uh, where the coaches site originated from. What was the original concept? Yeah, you bet. So, you know, I recognize that there was a, a bottleneck of information um, that was being shared amongst professional coaches or college coaches or junior coaches. Um, and, and that information finding its way down uh, to the grassroots or, or amateur levels where, frankly, I think, you know, that's where um, the real impact can be made. And, and obviously not just with players who, you know, go on to play in the NHL or professionally, but, you know, just as, you know, really a classroom for life and, and, and setting young people up for the next, uh, you know, next stage of their life. And so we wanted to create a, a platform It started with, an annual conference where professional coaches could come in, share their expertise and insights um, with their peers. And then over time that evolved into a website um, that we have today where um, we work with individual coaches. We work with minor hockey associations. We work with uh, junior leagues such as the USHL, AJHL, BCHL, and, and even uh, federations such as uh, the German Ice Hockey Federation and Hockey Austria um, and, you know, so it, it really gives coaches um, really a megaphone to connect with, um, you know, a global hockey community of coaches who, mm-hmm. uh, from our experience, are all super passionate and committed to, to being great leaders and teachers. That must be really interesting to see the different perspectives and different philosophies from around the world all kind of under one virtual roof like that. Yeah, it sure is. And I think what's unique about us is that, you know, we're, you know, we were talking about it before we hit record here, like we're kind of like Switzerland. Yeah. And, you know, we're not here to tell anybody how to coach. 
We're here to provide a bunch of different perspectives, a bunch of different ideas, and we allow coaches to come in and select what ideas or concepts work best at their level. So, you know, Barry Trott said it best uh, at one of our conferences. He said, you know, he wouldn't know the first thing about coaching a group of eight-year-olds. Um, so, you know, the information that he might sharing, albeit it, it's great and it obviously works, he's tremendously successful. You know, the, the volunteer parent that's in the front row that's trying to get some ideas on, you know, just some basic skating concepts, it might not apply to them. So we try and cover all the bases from, you know, um, equipping coaches who are working with initiation level players right up to, to coaches who are working, um, you know, with players um, at, at the junior and college level. Well, I'm looking at your website right now. It's thecoachessite.com, and you're just scrolling up and down the page, lots of familiar faces. Uh, well, one of them, Dave Starman, who's a good friend of the show. He, I know he's been a part of your uh, your conferences of in course. the past. And Bob Mancini, he's a guy who created the U.S. National Development Program. I see his picture on this page as well, scrolling down. And it's not just college or U.S.-based guys. Well, Mike Johnston is a U.S.-based guy, but major junior hockey a GM and head coach uh, with the Portland Winterhawks. So it's across the uh, section for sure. I think I just saw Bear Tourney, who's uh, with the NHL with the Arizona Coyotes now. So uh, a broad spectrum of uh, of coaches uh, that you have associated with this. Now, tell me about the virtual coaching clinic that you have set up. It's uh, partnered with College Hockey Inc., who's uh, obviously somebody that's uh, been a, a valuable partner of the Pipeline Show as well. But that's on the very near horizon. What's it all about? Yeah, so this is going to be the, the second year that we've uh, we've hosted the event in partnership with College Hockey Inc. It's powered by Instat. And, and what we do is we, we work with College Hockey Inc. to identify some of the top coaches and leaders uh, in the collegiate game. And then, you know, we, we connect with them and, and, and talk about maybe some of the areas w- where they feel that, um, you know, we always kind of refer to it as their superpower or the things that, uh, you know, they feel are, are really in their wheelhouse, be it in terms of how they develop individual players and skill or perhaps, you know, more of the tactical or, or system aspects of the game. And, um, you know, we've got a great lineup this year. We have both the defending men's and women's national championship coaches and uh, David Carl from Denver and Nadine Muzzarell from Ohio State University. Uh, we're really excited this year. I get to sit down and chat with Jerry York, who just retired this last year. He's the NCAA's all-time uh, winningest coach from Boston College to talk about his career. And, um, and you know, we, and again, it covers a real cross-section and, you know, you know one worth highlighting, Alex Hicks from uh, Arizona State University is going to do a presentation on, you know, why players should be using shorter sticks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I've had a chance to chat with him about it. I think it, you know, absolutely applies to coaches at the minor hockey level and really just gives them some, again, a, a bit more tools to add to their coaching toolbox, um, you know, and I think it applies to, to all levels of the game. Uh, Guy Gadowski is from Edmonton, coaching at Penn State, uh, part of, course, of this yeah. as well. Uh, uh, John Buchagross from ESPN, how does he contribute to this? I know he's a very passionate hockey fan and, and supporter and broadcaster. How does he contribute in a coaching forum? Well, we've got a, we've got a pretty cool niche. So, John, uh, this year he's going to be interviewing uh, David Carl, who, of course, won the national championship last year with Denver. And um, and last year he had a, an opportunity to interview a Greg Carville. So, I you know, I, I think mm-hmm. we've kind of found a – a bit of a tradition with John, but, uh, he's, uh, he's tremendous. And I think, you know, just from, you know, the, the experience that he has, you know, is really able to sort of maybe tease out some of the, 
the, the key ingredients or steps that were required for these coaches to, um, you know, get to the, uh, the peak of, um, of college hockey. All right. Uh, as we're speaking with Aaron Wilbur from the coaches site, uh, about the upcoming uh, coaches clinic. Uh, let's get the name of it right. The uh, virtual coaching clinic brought to you by Instat and College Hockey Inc. Goes from October 17th to 21st. Uh, now, hypothetically, uh, let's say I'm a coach and I have an interest in this. I'm hearing this interview and I want to be a part of this. What do I do? Yeah, so it's really easy. Just go to uh, thecoachsite.com and uh, you'll see a tab for um, the College Hockey Virtual Coaches Clinic. Um, and it's free for members of the coaches site. But if you're not a member of the coaches site, uh, you can register now and save uh, $30 in the cost of an annual membership. So it's only $120 for the year. And that gets coaches, you know, obviously access to this event. We also have our Global Skills Showcase, which is uh, done virtually in the new year. And that features 10 of the top 10 skills coaches in the game from all over the world. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, we have over 500 hours of, of video, uh, 750 drills, over 1,500 articles. And it, it really is a, uh, if you like coaching hockey, it, it's literally a fire hose of coaching content. And, um, you know, we're really proud that it's, it's not me on there delivering the content. It, it is delivered by the best coaches uh, in our game. Now, it's virtual, so people are tuning in from wherever they're uh, watching from. Maybe they're at their own coach's office or they're watching from at home. Is there a limit to how many people can attend this virtually? Uh, there isn't. No, we're, we're expecting over 10,000 coaches. Um, wow. Last year, uh, last year we had coaches from, um, I believe it was 18 countries, attend this particular event. So it really is a global community and what's great is that one coach once coaches uh, are inside the platform they can communicate with each other they can connect and i think that's what's been so rewarding about uh, our story is is watching coaches again of all levels uh, connect with each other so there's a lot of you know idea sharing that happens um, you know uh, through the website itself but uh, i think what's really neat is that there's a lot of sharing that takes place once these coaches get connected and, and they start uh, sharing their own ideas with each other as well. That's amazing. So there's a way for the people who are watching to actually communicate with the presenters. Like if you want to, uh, to bounce an idea off of Jerry York, you have that ability as somebody who's watching. Um, not in this case at our live events, uh, you're able to do that. Okay. Um, and, and in some cases, um, the presenters will chime in um, or join the discussion, um, but it, it's not mandatory. However, the, the delegates are able to comment on the videos. They can connect with each other and um, and, and communicate through the platform. Yeah. Can, can people submit questions ahead of time or something like that? Um, no, you know, not not in this case. We do do that on some with some of our platforms. Like we host a podcast um, where where uh, listeners can submit questions, and then again, obviously at the live events, and we have a couple other forms like with Dave Starman, where he uh, he has a series on the website called the Breakdown and. Um, you know, coaches can reach out to him with questions as well. So we would try and make it as interactive as possible. But um, we, we find with these events with, you know, again, with over 10,000 coaches tuning in, it could be, uh, you know, pretty soon Jerry York, um, um, you know, <laughs> wouldn't leave his computer that's if you right. let people um, start picking his brain on his career. Yeah, that's what I was wondering was how you were going to deal with that. Uh, I guess you don't have to in this case. So it goes from the 17th to the 21st. So, uh, a solid five days there. Uh, how long does a typical session with one of the coaches last for? We we generally try and aim for about twenty to twenty five minutes. So our you know our goal, uh, you know, as we've kind of gone through this, is you know everybody's busy. 
and, and time is valuable. So we try and, and set the content up. So if it's a, say a minor hockey coach that needs to pick up a new tip and they've only got a, a small window from the time they leave the office to when they head to the rink, um, they can easily go on the website and um, do a quick search and, and take some notes and where they go. Now, I know you have coaches uh, from men's college hockey and from uh, the ladies' college hockey as well, and uh, some of the presenters are both men and female. Does it do you see a big difference between strategies from the men's game to the women's game? Or, you know, if, if there's a, a coach from ladies hockey talking, does it translate to the men's game and vice versa? Is there much difference? No, absolutely. It translates. And, you know, I, I think, you know, what, uh, you know, it's funny. I think one thing we've learned and we hear this come up all the time, like at its core, hockey is a pretty simple game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes the habits and details, uh, you know, evolve and, and change over time. But, um, you know, I, I think that what we're seeing is there's more and more female leaders in our sport, which is just fantastic. And, um, you know, I think, you know, whether it's, you know, men or women or, or coaches from different countries, um, you know, there's something we can, we can learn something from everybody. And, um, you know, as they say, you know, coaches are the best thieves. And I mean, man, we, you know, we're fortunate to work with a lot of NHL coaches and every one of them, uh, we'll tell you that, um, you know, their, their career is, is a product of them um, picking up um, or stealing ideas from, from the coaches they've been fortunate enough to be around. Aaron, do you have uh, other clinics like this, this uh, virtual sessions planned to be on this one after the 21st? And like, do you do, are you planning to do this monthly or something? You know what? we Like I said, we do skills showcase that'll take place at the end of February. Uh, that one's really cool. This will be the third year that we've hosted this event. And um, we will start taking uh, submissions or applications from uh, skills coaches. Uh, last year, we had 176 applicants for the world, whittled it down to 10. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's literally the best skills coaches, some of whom are, you know, work with NHL teams, some of whom are in Europe. Um, and, um, and what they do is they pick a specific skill or tactic and then they demonstrate on the ice how they break it down and, and teach uh, through a progression. So it's it's incredibly valuable. And, you know, again, I think um, what's really neat is that, you know, it's, it's really easy to assume how, how hockey is, um, I guess, structured wherever you are is the way it's done everywhere. And it's not, you know, hockey is, is you know, there's so many unique ways that coaches find to teach the game, mm-hmm. to engage players, to lead players. And, um, you know, we're, again, we're really fortunate that we get to shine a spotlight on, on some of these coaches that are, I think, uh, moving our game forward and, and making sure that players have a, a first-class experience. And I, I would have to assume that you have uh, coaches or people who have uh, watched these or taken part or, or been at your uh, personal, uh, the, the in-person conferences in the past. They just keep coming back year after year because – Hockey evolves. The players evolve. Training evolves, and I have to assume coaching evolves right with it. Oh, you know, there's there's no question. And I mean, I, you know, if you if you go watch a U10 game today, <laughs> what, what kids can do today will absolutely blow your socks off. And I know we talk about the NHL getting younger and more skilled. Mm-hmm. I, I believe we're we're just we're just at the the infancy of that. I mean, I think what we're going to see in the next five to 10 years at the professional level is just uh, going to be tremendous. And, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with players having access to, to more information and, um, you know, perhaps the freedom to be a bit more creative, but I think it just, it also has, you know, a lot to do with just the coaching and 
Um, you know, in every community now, there's, there's um, you know, skills coaches, there's skating specialists. I think goaltending is a really great example where, you know, in the early 90s, Francois Lair, um, you know, kind of uh, rose to fame by working with Patrick Waugh. And then, you know, next thing you know, every NHL team had a goalie coach and then every junior team had a goalie coach. And then uh, every minor hockey goalie has a goalie coach now. And, and we've seen how that position specifically has evolved and, um, you know, we're th- we're seeing specialists now in, in every aspect of the game. And again, I think you can see the um, the development in the skill level of, of minor players. And I think it's only going to increase. So, um, yeah, it, the, the game is constantly changing. How we teach it is constantly changing. And um, you know, and I and again, I think that uh, the more that we share ideas, uh, it really our game as a whole. Aaron, uh, before I let you go, if somebody is listening to this and ha- has questions that I didn't ask and they want to get more information, uh, it starts on the 17th to the 21st. That's the one next week, uh, the virtual coaching clinic. Is there a way to contact you or someone else at the coach's site to ask questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, email directly at aaron.wilbur at thecoachessite.com. Um, or if it's easier to remember, just go to info at the um, All our contacts are listed on the. We'd love to hear from, from uh, anyone who's keen to attend, and um, or if they have any questions about uh, you know what sort of content is uh, available on the site. Excellent. I really appreciate your time, Aaron. Uh, this sounds like it's going to be a terrific, uh, a terrific event. Uh, best of luck with it, and uh, I'm sure all the coaches will really appreciate uh, the opportunity. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. Thanks so much, Chief. That was Aaron Wilbur from the Coaches site, and that does sound like a fantastic event that they've got planned. goes next week. If you're a coach or you know some coaches, you might want to let them know. Give them a heads up about it and tell them to go to thecoachessite.com and find the information because this uh, virtual coaching clinic, I mean, it's it's packed with the big-name presenters. David Carl, defending national champion with uh, the Denver Pioneers. Nadine Muzzerall, his counterpart at the University of Ohio State on the women's side. She's been named Coach of the Year three of the last five years. Jerry York, a legend for all his years that he spent at Boston College. Guy Gadowski is there from Penn State. Laura Halderson from Minnesota. What an opportunity to get some uh, perspective and some ideas, maybe some tips uh, from some absolute juggernauts in uh, the coaching fraternity. That was great. I enjoyed that conversation with Aaron a lot. All right, we have one more segment to get to. We're heading out to the Ontario Hockey League, and the voice of the Saginaw Spirit is going to join me, courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. His name is Joey Botano, and he's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Steal by Ryan Suzuki. Flipped it up center ice. Here's Cole Perfetti. What a chance to win the game. Perfetti, backhand. He scores! Cole Perfetti wins it in overtime on a breakaway. Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show for the final segment of this week's episode as we uh, head out to the Ontario Hockey League. A reminder, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, available anywhere in Western Canada. Just go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, we are headed to Saginaw, where the Spirit are off to a 3-2 and two start as we're speaking right now. Uh, come this weekend, things might change. Uh, but pleased to be joined once again by the play-by-play man for the Saginaw Spirit. That's Joey Botano. Joey, welcome back. How's things? Hey, Guy, I'm, I'm very good. Uh, pleasure to be back on the show, and uh, thanks for having me as always. Pleasure to uh, track you down again, uh, to have you on. It's uh, an interesting start for the Spirit. You and I were just chit-chatting. I don't think a lot of people were expecting this uh, burst out of the gate to begin the year, and a lot of people thought maybe the Spirit would be uh, lower in the standings as the year went on, but right now sitting third in the West Division, third in the in the conference overall, and maybe that's because the West Division has got off to such a better start than the Midwest Division. But I don't know. Do you, do you think the uh, preseason rankings maybe do a disservice to the Spirit? Um, well, I, I think it's hard to really gauge in the preseason rankings because the thing you can't account for is roster breaks and, and when – NHL players are, are sent back and certainly Saginaw got a couple of those when you think about uh, Pavel Minchikov being the number uh, first overall pick for the Ducks this past year and you know he gets sent back before the NHL preseason even starts and then uh, Matias Sapavala the second round pick by Vegas uh, he was their first pick uh, they didn't have a first rounder this year and and um, you know he gets sent back before the preseason so I don't think really too many people anticipated that those roster breaks to come. And we got all eight of our players that attended NHL training camps back in our opening night lineup. So it kind of, you know, got that veteran influence on what still is the pretty on hockey team, including Michael Misa. So to have that guidance from those older guys, I think really has been beneficial through the first five games. Well, that opening night, certainly one uh, fans are going to remember for a long time, 10-6. 16 goals in that one, and your team scores 10 of them and in a big victory over uh, what is expected to be a pretty strong Guelph Storm team. Nice way to start the year. It was, and, and to, you know how it goes, Guy. Like, sure. When you're a little snake bitten off the start, those type of things can can kind of follow you. Uh, it's good to, to get off to a good start uh, on the offensive side of the puck, and I don't think you could ask for a better start. Now, 10 goals on, on a really, really strong defense. Uh, and, and a pretty good goaltender there in Guelph as well. And uh, Pavel Minchikov starts off the year with a goal and four assists, a uh, five-point game. He leads the OHL in scoring right now. Um, and just a great performance top to bottom. It, it wasn't the – I mean, obviously, 10-6. to 6, It wasn't the cleanest hockey game I've ever seen. Um, but it, it, I, myself and my broadcast partner, Dennis DeRoger, talked about it in the post game that night that, wow, what if this was the first hockey game you ever came to or ever watched? <laughs> I mean, you really came away with everything tonight because it, it even had a little rough stuff in the third period, and I know in the CHL we're seeing less and less of that, but mm-hmm. uh, for a big crowd that night of 4,400, and, and then you get 16 goals and you get a little bit of the rough stuff, it's like it had a little bit of everything to whet your appetite uh, if you're a hockey fan. Well, and it didn't the scoring didn't stop with that game. I mean, the the... A Saginaw Spirit leading the Ontario Hockey League right now at 28 goals four. That's just after five games. Uh, that's a positive for sure. The opposite of that is nobody has allowed more than Saginaw either. 24 goals against right now. Again, as we're speaking, it's Wednesday night. But uh, so the challenge, I guess, 
they got to do a better job of keeping the puck out. They do, and it's it's a focus on the defensive side of the puck, and I think it'll come with time. Um, it's it's more or less the the style the team plays. They like to be a little bit uh, more wide open, and um, I think the the offense uh, is where the focus is. And right now, the defense will kind of take care of itself. Well, I think over the next little while, I think that focus might shift, and and now. And it started, I think, on Sunday with a 5-2 win over Sudbury. You know, it's first time we kept an opponent, I believe, under four goals, which is is key. Like, that's you, you think you need four goals to win in, in junior hockey. It's usually right around where you – actually, in the NHL now, you need four goals to win, too. Right. Uh, yeah. So, it's uh, it, it seems like, you know, any if we can keep teams under four, we, we have a real good chance because of, of how deep our team is up front and, um, you know, and actually scoring on the on the defense as well. Uh, led by Pavel. So uh, I think it's a good recipe for success long-term, but yeah. So over the next little while, I think the focus might shift to, you know, watching our, uh, watching our defensive side a little closer and, and clearly mostly just protecting our goaltenders. We have two really good goaltenders and an overager, Tristan Lennox of Islanders pick, and then Andrew Oak, who, who stayed all the way through Red Wings training camp. He was the only free agent in by who was actually invited to their training camp, uh, their main camp. Uh, so we have two really strong goaltenders and Brett Fullerton as our third string goaltender. He was the second best goaltender in the entire OHL preseason and a 169 goals against and a 936 save percentage uh, in the preseason. So <laughs> actually we have three really strong goaltenders and uh, they just need a little bit more protection than we offer them in the first five games. It would be surprised to see a team carry three goaltenders for long though. Do you expect that to be the case? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, obviously, with Lennox being an overage, I mean, I think that depends on where this team is, you know, or where where they believe they could be, right? I think it takes a little bit of, uh, of uh, I don't know, crystal ball, if you will, from from our general manager, Dave Drinkle, and, and to decide on what you want to do there. You have an OA goalie this year and two 19-year-old goalies behind him, you know, and, and they're there's some goalies in the stable that, that were drafted this year that the team really likes. It's okay. Do we get that? Do we get one of those 16 year old goalies signed and in this year? You know, I, these are all questions that are well above my pay grade, but certainly knowing the league and how it works over the years, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see either one of those things happen. It, it's going to be based a lot on what takes place between now and Christmas time with the Saginaw club. Joey Botano is the uh, voice of the Saginaw Spirit, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, speaking of the draft, the 2021 uh, OHL uh, priority selection, fourth round pick Joey Wills, or excuse me, Joey Willis is off to a great start. I heard the call. What you talking about, Joey Willis? That was a good one. You know, you're not old enough to remember <laughs> different strokes, are you? No, and not not the actual show, but I was I'm familiar with the catchphrase and, and knew where it came from, so I. I knew that uh, that much, at least. All right. Well, that was good. I mean, he's off to a pretty terrific start. Fourth rounder, maybe. I don't know. Is he uh, surprising people so far with this early production, or was this to be expected? Um, well, I think at the time, you know, when he was in his OHL draft year, I think there was questions. You know, him being an American-born player in Chicago area product, there was questions on whether Joey would go the NCAA route, and I think that's probably what allowed Saginaw to draft him in the fourth round. But, uh, again, Dave Drinkle and his staff have done a phenomenal job over the last six, seven seasons here in Saginaw of recruiting American-born players. 
Uh, and then even a couple of Canadian born players that were thinking about NCAA routes. I'm thinking of Cole Perfetti in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a great job uh, winning them over and, and recruiting them to our team. And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the improvements we've made to our organization, whether it be the, the locker room or, you know, just the video board, the improvements we've made to our, our, you know, the Dow event center turned 50 years old this year. So it's, uh, it's got some years on her, but uh, we've, we've dressed it up nicely over the last five, six years. And uh, it's, it's really a, it's a fun place to play and it's an intimidating place to play for a visiting team. And I think Joey uh, individually has, has made the most of his opportunity uh, early in the season to get some power play time. Uh, every position that the head coach Chris Lazarus put him in he's been successful so at this point it's kind of a plug-and-play situation with him he's been playing uh, with Michael Misa and Kayla Mangoni and uh, that line's been dynamite for the spirit so far this year. I want to ask you about uh, recruiting American players and is that a do you feel like it's a distinct advantage for Saginaw for Flint and for uh, eerie to to uh, find that American talent because those players they wouldn't have to leave the country they could play uh, still in the United States, uh, and that might be a bit of a selling uh, point. I know we, I think we kind of see that here in the WHL with the five American-based franchises as well. But you know, I'm just looking at your roster. I think you got five or six guys just from Michigan alone, let alone yeah. you know Joey Willis, who's from Illinois, and etc. Do you think that's an advantage for your three clubs? I think so. I think it's easier for the kids to get to the games. You know, they're they're there. They don't have to worry about crossing the border to take them in. You know, we have kids on you know trips that come in and they're 16 year their draft year to mm-hmm. see the the you know the the facility and things like that so it's uh i think it's a, a benefit that for the american born players they can drive right in you know they're either chicago area kids or you know detroit area you know little caesars honey bake compuware etc like they're they come up uh it's only a couple hour drive from the detroit area even even kids who play in in ohio like columbus blue jackets organization something like that uh, where it's not really that far of a drive. So uh, I think uh, maybe that way it, it has its advantages. I know um, some of the things you hear over the years is like Canadian-born players coming over here and, um, you know, the hurdles that come with that, whether it's border travel or a lot of different things these days with vaccination status, et cetera. Like, uh, I, I don't know how much of that plays into it, but I do know that, you know, our our organization in particular – has been confident in itself that they can re- recruit those American-born players that other teams might be a little hesitant to take in certain situations of the draft. So uh, I can't really speak to it other than, you know, the success that we've had. Obviously, something's working there. Um, but I, I know that, you know, over over the time that, that Dave Drinkle's been the GM and, and Brian Prout's been the assistant GM, that there's been a, a real focus on not only drafting, but but recruiting American-born players knowing that they have many different options. Joey, it's, uh, we're 12 minutes into the interview or so, and uh, you've mentioned his name a couple of times, but I haven't asked you about Michael Misa. Now that you've had a chance to watch him for you know, a, a month of, uh, of uh, you know, training camp and exhibition games and now into the regular season, this is a guy who uh, was given exceptional status, and a lot of people haven't seen him yet, but... When if uh, if we tune in or if you can get to a, a game, should we expect them to live up to that exceptional uh, uh, moniker? Uh, this is, I mean, this sounds like a pretty special player. You've seen him. How do you describe him? He he is. He, you know what? He he. His first game in the OHL 
scores two goals. So, I mean, it's, it's storybook for him, right? You, you want him to get off to a good start. The last thing you want in that situation when he's got all, all eyes on him is, you know, goose egg for an extended period of time. And then the questions start to come, you know, with everything that comes with the exceptional status tag, et cetera. Right. So he gets off to the good start. That's huge. You know, he only hasn't, I think he's only been held without a point in one of the five games so far this year. He's just around it. Gee. Like he's always around it. He's around the puck. He's, he hunts pucks. He, he's really actually hard to play against on the boards, specifically in the offensive zone. Like I guess I didn't take into account before the season started and he didn't really play this, way in prospect camp against some of his peers but now that he's gotten into the ohl with some of the older guys he's much more apt to get into the corners win puck battles and he uses his skill not so much his strength to come out of there with the puck and uh, i've been really impressed by it like not just his dynamic play because he is dynamic he's a great skater and he can shoot the puck extremely well for a six or 15 year old sorry uh he also is is just a really solid hockey player, like on both ends of the ice. And he's just learning. Like he's just he's just starting. He's he's fifteen years old. So I think the sky's the limit for this young man. Um the the hardest thing for him to, to juggle right now is, you know, he is a Canadian playing in an American market. He's going to school. He's got, you know, and I, I'm partially responsible for this. He's got media you know things that he has to take care of um not quite on a daily basis but close to it um everybody's after him right now right and if he can if he can handle that or, or try to find a way to, to just understand that you know that's part of it um i think he'll be just fine he's well on his way he's he's getting it he's I've talked to him quite a bit, like obviously because of all the media stuff we've asked of him already. Sure. Um, and he's, he's, uh, he's understanding it well. And, uh, and I think he's going to be just fine with, with a little bit of time. Uh, and, and the kid's just not lacking confidence. Like that's the thing that really stood out to me. You're 15 years old. You kind of ride the wave a little bit. And you see it with the 16 year old kids all the time. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're awful. Like that's, but that's how they, that's their mentality because they they don't have the experience and they ride the wave a bit. And, and Michael does not ride the wave. He, he knows his talent and he knows that, you know, he, he can, he can be a game breaker night to night without putting any points on the scoreboard. Draft eligible for the 2025 NHL draft, so he's going to be uh, in the with Saginaw in the OHL for the next uh, three seasons, including this one. Uh, in the October of 2024, I'm going to reserve it now. Uh, can you set me up with uh, Michael Misa for? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to fit you in. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to make any promises. You know? <laughs> got to get in line already. Uh, all right, before I, let, before I let you go, I got to ask what the rest of the uh, the conference. Uh, I, I think going into the season. Some of the uh, the usual suspects not off to a great start. London's zero and three, Kitchener's zero and four, and I don't know if people saw that coming necessarily. Uh, but your con for your division, rather the West Division, playing really good hockey. What was the pecking order at the start of the year in terms of the uh, the preseason pundits, and and what do you think uh, now that we're you know a couple of weeks into the year? Well, I can remember some people kind of barking why London wasn't in the top ten, and they're and they're off to top. It just goes to show you, like. I don't think you can put too much stock into 
the preseason top 10, because as I mentioned before, like it's, it really depends on roster breaks and things that are out of the team's control for the most part. And so you could really like, you know, Guelph's a great example. You know, they didn't, they didn't get off to the, the hottest start in the world and they've already, they've, they've, you know, unfortunately due to medical reasons, they've had to make a coaching change with Scott Walker and hopefully he's doing okay. But I mean, this team has been hit with some adversity right off the bat mm-hmm. and some other teams, you know, have as well. You mentioned London and Kitchener and there. It's just bizarre to me. I've been in the league for seven years and I don't think I've ever seen London and Kitchener as the nine and 10 teams in, in the OHL. So it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's good for the league to see some other teams at or near the top. Um, but by the same token, it's also good for the league when London and Kitchener are competitive. So it's, uh, I, I think early on is not indicative of what we're going to see. Um, but there are certain teams in this, in this conference that are struggling to find it right now. And you saw London made some changes. I mean, they parted ways with Jared Keane or, it's an overage player and played his whole career there. Like they've, they've made some moves this week, probably just trying to shake it up. Right. And, and we'll see, you know, we'll see if that pays off. I think that, you know, they went out and got George Diaco from Hamilton. I think that's a good addition for them to, to get some, some scoring punch. Um, and then Kitchener might get a roster break. Uh, I know they're, they're, I think they're hoping that, uh, and I can't remember his name, the Czech born, uh, that he gets sent. And that would completely change their back end. So, um, again, roster breaks, NHL roster breaks are everything right now. Right now, and then after the trade deadline, when teams make their decisions on like 20 year old players, whether they're going to stay in the American Hockey League or not, those are two crucial, crucial moments in a in a chl junior hockey season well what's next up for uh the saginaw spirit coming in this weekend who do you line up against well we got we got a rematch against Guelph, which is going to be interesting we haven't seen him since opening night uh when it was 10 to 6 so we're we're in guelph uh i'm sorry i said tomorrow it's friday night uh and then saturday night we're in erie so it's our first overnight trip of the year and i know the guys are always excited about this because you spend every day together, you spend every day at practice, but this is really where the team chemistry grows and guys are hanging out in each other's hotel rooms, playing video games and uh, being, being boys. So hopefully it, uh, hopefully it goes well and uh, come out of it. It's not an easy trip. Like Erie's much improved this year. Guelph, we already talked about, they're expected to be at or near the top when this is all said and done. So it's uh it's early it's five games in but it's it's a it's a relatively large weekend when it comes to gauging where this team is at are overnight trips like a a, a special location in the ohl i mean you're, I'm, you're talking to a guy who's there but now i don't travel with the teams but <laughs> you know it's not unusual the oil kings are right now in in uh, washington state uh and just played in portland oregon yesterday that's this is like a two-week trip uh you don't have stuff right. like that in the ohl no in fact I, I i was looking at their schedule earlier today and for the first time, I think, in my career with the Spirit, we'll have a six-day road swing in mid-February because we end up playing Mississauga on Family Day. So it's the Sioux on a Wednesday, Guelph and Owen Sound on a Friday, Saturday, and then it's Mississauga 
on family day in the afternoon. So I don't see us returning home on that trip. Right. So that would be six days. And in the OHL, that was basically unheard of. I think that's wow. the longest trip I've ever been associated with. So it, wow. it's a very uh, uh, friendly, travel-friendly league, and it's certainly more travel-friendly than uh, – what's the closest game for you guys in Edmonton? Uh, it's an hour and a half down to Red Deer. So, yeah, that's the closest. Yeah, when we like, – I can hop in my car and be in Flint in 35 minutes. So it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're, we're very lucky, and I, I believe me, I've worked in some other situations in my career, and I make sure I let the kids know, like, Whenever, whenever they start complaining about the travel, it's like guys, it, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, WHL in the queue, a, a lot different uh, than what you have in the OHL. That's for sure. Joey, hey, listen, I, I really appreciate your time. I uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, best of luck to you and the and the spirit this year. This has been fun. Yeah. All right, Guy. Happy to do it. That was Joey Batano, the uh, voice, the radio voice of the Saginaw Spirit. Also handles all the communications. So. If I want a Saginaw player like uh, Cole Perfetti in the years past, uh, Blade Jenkins was that guy. Anyway, he's the guy that I call to uh, set up those interviews. That's why I'm already getting in the line for Michael Misa a couple of years from now. And how about that? A six-day road trip is the longest of his uh, career calling the games for the Saginaw Spirit. Any of my WHL counterparts, uh, well, I shouldn't say counterparts, but any of the play-by-play guys in the WHL, will be rolling their eyes at that because a six-day road trip, that's almost every road trip in the Western Hockey League. Yeah, sure, there are a couple of, you know, two games in four days and you leave and you come back right away. Uh, But, man, six days as the longest one you've done in seven years, that's amazing. Tells you how big the WHL's footprint is and uh, why I still think it's not crazy to think that the WHL is too big. You cut it in half and create the Pacific Hockey League, uh, from what is now the BC, the U.S. division, and and start expanding further south. Get away from uh, driving from BC or the States into Alberta and Saskatchewan and now Manitoba as well. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the program. Thank you again to everyone who's been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show, where you can get early access to all the interviews you hear on a full episode of the show. Patrons get access to those Usually the same day that I do the interview. Now, this particular one with uh, Joey was done on Wednesday. I'm uploading it to the patron site here on uh, Thursday. And if you're hearing this in a full episode, you're getting it the earliest. You're getting it is on Friday. Still early, but not as early as normal for this one with Joey. Next week on the program, more of the same as we continue touring around North America with the Looks at the WHL, the OHL, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Keeping tabs on the USHL and the NAL, all the Junior A leagues in Canada. If something special is happening, we'll touch on those as well. And, of course, college hockey. The season now well underway. We'll have a couple of weeks worth of action to talk about, and maybe we'll jump into another conference. So maybe let me know on Twitter which conference. We've done Hockey East. We've done the NCHC. Maybe you're a big Atlantic hockey fan. You want us to talk a little bit more about that conference. Let me know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. In the meantime, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week, right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Guy Flaming. See ya! See ya!